This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Well, there's really only one question right off the top of Cardinals Underground. And... I don't want to get all metaphysical or have you read more into it than what it, it's just a surface level question that you should be able to answer immediately. Darren Urban, Danny Sarek. If Cardinals Underground was voluntary, would you still be here? That's what I want to know. Would you or would you not still be here? You're smiling, Danny. So I take it, of course, you're already warmed up from an earlier event. You're warmed up and ready to go and podcast, which we might get into, or we might not. I don't know if it's classified info because you weren't real forthcoming in the office moments ago. I'm smiling for your first question. Of course I'd want to hang out with you guys. (laughs) Don't you think if I had a problem, I would have gone to our boss and requested to be taken off the podcast, Paul? Whoa, whoa, okay. I would never. I see, or at least undermine us taking over the podcast entirely, (laughs) maybe. Maybe just farmed us out for a couple other uh, you know, co-hosts. I, mean, I don't really see it for myself as being voluntary. I'm the only person other than maybe a couple of vacation days along the way uh, that has been on every episode of Cardinals Underground <laughs> since 2007. So, Well, whose fault is that? Well, I'm just saying it, it's, it's not a volunteer. It's just life, you know? <laughs> That's the kind of answer I kind of expected. <laughs> you know, his own answer, he didn't really play along with the question. All right, just, you know, it just he's, he's a nonconformist is what he is. What about you, Paul? Would I be here? I would, but I, it would That's be remote. A question. It, it, it would be remote. I would probably go back to COVID protocols, and I'd probably be doing it, you know, from my backyard or something. I've had enough COVID protocols. I mean, the, the fact that we're – did you see we have a salad bar in the lunchroom again, Paul? Is that why? That is, is a that- great – Addition. I wondered, like, why all of a sudden is there the salad bar? It's because they rescinded the COVID protocols. Well, I mean, they, I, the I protocols have been bail, been dialed back for a while, obviously. But now right. that we're back to the, the salad bar, that just... Maybe it had to do with the TSA mask mandate. So maybe, you know, when, when the TSA, <laughs> they dialed it back. So you can, go through, you can go through Sky Harbor now and the salad bar without a mask. <laughs> so that's good. That's good. I like that over there. Danny, uh, how did it go out there, by the way? Um, because what are you willing to tell the fine listeners tease. of Cardinals Underground? I believe Underground? it's tease in the business. What am I willing to tease? That's right. Uh, thank you for this, Paul. There is a new content series coming out mm. uh, later this week from when we are recording this podcast. It's called Game On. It is just a fun, comfortable, casual way to get to know the players more, who they are as people. So, I'm going to be talking to different players, future rookies, veterans, just getting to know them through some friendly competition, playing some kids games. So the inaugural guest was wide receiver Rondell Moore. I'm not going to give away what game he chose. I'm not going to give away who won. Are you going to give away who gave you the idea to do Rondell Moore? Was that you, Darren? I think it was me. Oh, okay. 
I'm not going to give that away. Okay. Um, I will secret. give away. It was warm and toasty, but you know what? He was great. Rondale was really fun to hang around. He was really open. I feel like you get to learn more about who he is as a person, which especially coming off his rookie year with COVID protocols, you know, media is, is limited. We can only get so much from those virtual press conferences or talking to them, you know, maybe once a week, things like that. So this was really cool to just get to have a conversation with him. So, yes, I did walk back into our office. My hair was pulled up in a ponytail, trying to cool off, trying to spritz some perfume since we're sitting around a podcast table. I'm trying to be respectful of you guys. So, yeah. She's trying to talk keep, about how it's all hot, and keep, it's like, man, we haven't even started yet, Darren. I know, Darren. So, everyone, <laughs> azcardinals.com, social media it. channels, keep an eye out for Game On, Rondo Moore. I'm not going to give anything away about who won. But I do think you will enjoy it. Okay, two thoughts right away. Number one, if you do win one of these events, you won't get a guest ever again. So <laughs> in your best interest, you better play to lose if you want future guests. I'm and, just going to say gonna that. And that's going to be my reasoning. If yes. I lose, it's just, yes. well, see, I really right. would have beaten you if I were allowed to go all out, but Paul wouldn't let me. I'm not saying you're not capable. I'm just saying a pro athlete can't take losing to a media member in anything because these guys are pathologically competitive and they're real sensitive if they lose. So you better make sure they win, uh, number one. It'll be good for business. And then number two <laughs> – I'm efforting a spy photo because I want to do a split-screen tweet of Danny full sweat out there participating in the athletic event that will be named later, and then there's the Cleveland Browns reporting for their off-season <laughs> workout in like three feet of snow and the yeah, quarterbacks in a winter parka. And the whole, I just want to juxtapose those two off-season workouts, Danny full sweat shorts and then the Cleveland Browns, and, and somehow I'll come up with a caption like Cleveland Browns saying, what have I gotten myself into here? I wasn't sweating, Paul. I was just glistening. I see. A light glisten. Okay. So there you go. That's good. Uh, when are we going to find out, by the way? Uh, when is this going to – later in the off season, you're We're the, actually going to get the actual deliverable, this, as this, they say in the business. This first episode later this week. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, keep an eye out. Hopefully some point Friday. And then these will drop throughout the off season with different players, different games. That's good because I think we're all sick and tired of seeing the mock drafts. Are we not, Darren? You, you're, yeah, well, I think you're at the front of that parade, right? Probably. I, I'm not a big mock draft guy. I'm not a big draft guy, to be honest. You it know, is what it is. You know how we know that we've all run our course with mock drafts is when you click on NFL.com and you see the following headline, and I quote, Create your own first-round mock draft. See, this is sort of like the salad bar. Now you go ahead and you create your own mock draft, just like you're now able to go ahead and serve yourself. It, now that the TSA has said, you know what, all the mandates are off, the protocols have been relaxed, you can create your own first-round mock because we've run out of mock drafts. That's how they are ad nauseum these days. So that's how you know we're ready for the NFL Draft 2022 when it's do-it-yourself mock draft time. Mock drafts, I mean, you got to – I don't. I don't think I feel as strongly as the two of you do about a, you know, dislike towards them. I think they're just, they're almost like power rankings that have already come out. It's, it's how do you know when you start doing all these trades in your mock draft of, you don't know what teams are willing or not willing to give up or move. Well, it's just like that to me is like, well. Let me make it clear. It's not that I hate mock drafts. I just don't care about them. <laughs> I mean, I, I. It's not. I mean, people can do them. And and just to clarify, Paul, aren't all mock drafts do, do it, it yourself, yourself. <laughs> yeah 
Um, I'm glad we're on the same page there, Danny. Um, you know what you need? You need the latest mock draft, NFL.com, as we record this here yeah. a week before the draft, about 10 days out. Peter Schrager has the Arizona Cardinals number 23 overall selecting. Zion Johnson, offensive guard, Boston College, 6'3", 312. That is the underrated position, I say, O-line. That is the under, and we established that last week in Cardinals Underground, that four of the five yeah. starters right now, as penciled into the depth chart that's not official, far from official, uh, they're all in the last year of their deal. And yeah, I mean, I could, I would not be stunned if there was an offensive lineman picked to 23. Uh, absolutely not. But, you know, whether that happens or not, I mean, again, you got to see, and that's where it comes back to the the, the mock drafts. You got to see where these the who comes off the board and everything I've been reading. The one thing I am relatively confident in is all the people saying that you can't predict anything this year because there are no like straight out great players. The the quarterback class is not as strong as usual. Some of the guys that people consider in the top ten. Uh, are either injured or are coming off injury or uh, they have been injured in the past. Like Derek Stingley is the, the name that pops into my head. Or, you know, just there's reasons to say, okay, maybe, maybe not. We'll, we'll kind of see if that person is top 10 or not. So I, I think there could be a lot of people there at 23 that maybe nobody's predicted. But then again, if they're there at 23 – Maybe there's a reason they're still there at 23. So it's going to be a very interesting timeline. And that'll be interesting for how that affects the Cardinals talking about quarterbacks. In the past, the last couple of years have been almost guaranteed before the draft a handful of quarterbacks you know are going in the top 10. It doesn't seem to be like many people feel that way this year. So a lot of these other position groups, edge, wide receiver, offensive linemen, def- defensive linemen, those are also positions the Cardinals need all the way down at 23. And unlike maybe most years in the past, teams that really need a quarterback are going to take those quarterbacks, and that makes it more likely you're going to get a player you like down the later rounds or later picks in a round. But, you know, you start looking too, teams are already looking ahead at quarterbacks for next year's class, right? Can we get by with who we have now or a free agent or someone who we think, you know, likely will get cut later on and get by yeah. not drafting a quarterback. And even though that's not even the realm for the Cardinals right now at 23, that's still something that affects them with how players are going to fall. We've seen mock drafts with zero quarterbacks taken before pick number 23. We've seen mock drafts with five quarterbacks taken before pick number 23. No yeah. way. The QB question I think is the biggest question how the board falls before it gets to the Arizona Cardinals. I, I totally agree with that, Danny. By the way, I asked Drew Grigson, director of player personnel on the Big Red Race, just about the pick itself, the position of the pick. And he said, he said, you know what, of course you always want to pick as high as you can. But at number 23, what I like about it, and this is his words, he says that at 23, a lot of the guys who might have a lot of that flash and a lot of the combine numbers and some of the hype, a lot of those guys are gone. You know, the 428 guys, perhaps, you know, the John Rosses, the Henry Ruggs, those kind of guys are gone. And at 23, you're now getting down to football players. You know, it reminds me of that old saying, Darren, you ever heard the saying, what we need around here is a football playing Jesse. You ever heard a coach use that term? A I've football never play? heard that line in my life. It, it's I like, mean, goose and gander I've heard of, but never that one. Me too. 
As of a week ago. I didn't even pose that to Danny because I figured there's no chance whatsoever. <laughs> no, I have not heard that yeah. one. So nobody really knows what that means. It just It's sort of like hashtag badass. You just need a football player. <laughs> you know, that's, that's how I translate it. You just need a guy out there who's going to kick some tail and, you know, and that quarter, they set a tone either side of the ball. You know, that's what you need at number 23, a football playing Jesse. It's funny. You, I, I saw a story this week, which I'm kind of surprised more teams don't do this. Bill Parcells was at, at one point, I believe he was in Dallas, but I'm not sure. It was one of the places he was running the draft, and he got so irritated of – That's a good word. Parcells was always yeah, irritated. He got so irritated that um, the combine and the workouts at Pro Days and at the combine was messing around with how they were grading players that he made his group – they actually set their draft board before the combine and the only thing the combine was allowed to do was move guys around a little bit because of medical and interviews they weren't allowed to they weren't allowed to take into account the the workouts that that is a great approach yeah honestly and you're right i'm shocked more teams don't do that Set your board before the combine because guess what? We're looking for football players. Jesse's. Yes, football playing Jesse's. We don't need these combine track stars. Is that really a saying? It really is a saying, yeah. Uh, There was a Raiders coach. He used to use it all the time. I forget which one it was because they had like five and five years during that one stretch. I'm not exactly sure which guy it was, uh, but it's resurfaced. I mean, I've heard about the Jimmys and Joes more than the X's and O's. Right, but. That makes total sense, you know, unless some guy absolutely just crushes the combine yeah. and or is a disaster in terms of the interviews. So, okay, uh, you know, that's that's in, and we'll see. We'll see exactly. But once again, the whole – by the way, uh, Charles Davis, that's the other latest mock draft that is out, has uh, the Cardinals taking my guy, Traylon Burks, the receiver out of Arkansas, hashtag, who wants some? You know, just give him the ball and let's see who wants to tackle this guy uh, come the fourth quarter. So that, that might not be a bad uh, deal, at least as far – as, as I'm concerned, although Drew Grigson did say that, you know, this really is a deep and diverse class of edge rushers. He said maybe not 20 deep like, you know, Daniel Jeremiah, but that has been a big debate topic in the Cardinals war room and across the NFL. Okay, how many of those guys will be there in round two? Now, the first wave of five or six, no. But it's so deep that if you did go O-line, or receiver in round one, could you still get a starting quality edge player in round two? At 55. At 55. That is the big question. That's the other big question. I mean, out I there. think round two, yes. At 55? Mm, yeah. So Starter? I don't know about starter. I mean, Maybe someone you'd feel. Two. Sorry? I mean, it's still round two. I would hope you'd. I, I, mean, I mean, I don't know. And look, starter is one thing. But let me ask you, and this is just a brutally honest question, right here, right now, We'd going into the draft. From you. Do the Cardinals have two starting edge players on their roster as currently constructed? They have Marcus Golden and do they honestly have another starting edge player for a playoff caliber team? A true starter? I don't true think starter. so. True starter. Because you've not. got Devon Kennard, Dennis Gardeck. Kylie Fitz just retired. We're missing someone on the roster, and I can't think of it now. But Well, let's take a look while you talk. I thought there was no uh, depth chart, Darren. I thought, you know, you admonished <laughs> me last <laughs> week about how there was no depth there chart. There is no depth chart. I can I still see. look what at the roster. What about that, Darren? <laughs> Paul doesn't forget. Man, if you could. You know, by the way, while he's doing that, this is a good time to work in. Did anybody see 
the latest, greatest innovation in the world of football broadcasting over the weekend? Dima Keiji. Dima Keiji, thank you. The six-round pick last year out of Duke. Did anyone happen to partake in the drone cam from the USFL broadcast? Did you see the drone cam? I did see the I drone did not. <laughs> Was that – I mean, did you not stop what you were doing? Were you not sucked in to the drone cam, especially on the kickoff where it started up in the stands yeah. and it flew back behind the kicker and then it paralleled the kicker as the ball went off the tee and then it's it went and it swooped around the return man and actually followed from behind the returner as he returned the kickoff. I'm watching it now. This is really cool. Really cool. See, the helmet okay. cam is overrated. The helmet cam is just, you know, it's just like – your grandmother working a cell phone video and it's bouncing all over the place at the wrong angles and you can't take it. The pylon cam, now that's underrated. The pylon cam, but the drone cam is the best thing I've seen since the pylon cam. And it's about time, and I predict the NFL will adopt that sooner than later, the drone cam, into their broadcast, maybe even by the end of this season. How often do you do you think they would do this? Like, this is know. a really cool the, opening the shot, but there's no way you can do this during I gotta the game. i got to be honest with, the, with that whole thing. It was just uh, what I noticed – I noticed how it turned out less on the kickoffs and more about how annoyingly buzzing you kept hearing it during every play because it's like a little freaking gnat <laughs> behind the play. And you just want to hear the, the fly uh, elect, uh, electrocution thing where it hits the uh, you know electrocution grid and it zaps itself. So I don't know. I thought the drone cam, dare I say it, my daughter right now would wince. Don't say it, Dad. I thought it was fire. I really did. I thought fire. it was fire. I thought it was fire, Danny. That's good. See, I got a rise out of the 18 to 34, de- 34 demo with that vocab sure word did. over there. Good so, job, Paul. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right. So, we go to azcardinals.com, and uh, we're reading about the voluntary workouts. Darren, would you care to elaborate on what exactly is allowed and not allowed these days? Can they go on the field? Can they actually – Get into yeah. formations. Can they run plays on air? We're, what we're can they leave that, the Paul. Can they leave the weight room? What exactly are the do's and don'ts? Okay, at this point, at this point, all it's a it's literally the beginning of the strength and conditioning process. There's no field stuff. There's no real football stuff. It's getting in shape, and the, and both James Conner and JJ Watt were talking about that. But it's 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 just getting in shape. You can do you're going to do some in the weight room. You're going to do some running outside and some stretching. But that's that's the extent of it, and it's voluntary. So there's going to be people not here, like Kyler's not here right now uh, as we speak, and and there's some other guys that aren't here yet and probably won't be for a while as they work out on their own, and that's the point. And I think I've talked about it on the podcast previously, which was last year, while it was still – COVID had still kind of thrown some things into into – vague areas in terms of who could be around and what they could do. But um, even last year, the Players Association was making the point like, okay, it's mostly COVID right now, but we want to get to the point where these voluntary things are voluntary. And if guy doesn't want to show up, it's not going to hurt him. And I think that's still a message that's out there for players is that this is voluntary. And if you want to work out on your own, then you're perfectly allowed to. You know what's interesting? Andy Reid to the Chiefs. Did you see what he did? That was going to be, yeah, yeah. Did he work out? That was one of my points. Darren. (laughs) Sorry, I just, I don't know. Well, it's the offseason. You know, I mean, he, he, you know, he didn't get his, he didn't get his double cheeseburger after the Lombardi trophy. So, boom, you know, he's, he's grinding now. Okay. So I was right. Oh, gosh. That was going to be, that was going to be one of my points uh, after Darren Paul was that (laughs) the fact that Kyler Murray is not here. 
I can see why people might think that is a big deal because of the contract extension talks that have been going around as of late. However, this is not completely abnormal for a quarterback or veterans to not show up to something voluntary like this because it came out today. I saw it on Twitter. Patrick Mahomes is saying, I think he's training out in Texas and Andy Reid, you know, that the staff agreed like, hey, yeah, you can do your thing down there. We'll do things virtually with you. Like, Stay down there training with some wide receivers. We trust you. You can handle it. So the fact that Kyler Murray is not here does not mean he doesn't want to be a Cardinal, does not mean he's not working out, does not mean he's training to get better, just means he's not here. And he's not the only veteran that didn't show up. And again, there's no football right now. It's lifting weights and running where you can do a lot of places. I'm going to do this, and I'm, I'm sure Larry would be disappointed. And it didn't happen all the time, but... There have been times when when the media would be able to come to the first day of these voluntary strength conditioning stuff. And then usually media doesn't, there's not any more media until you get to the football part. So we're still a couple weeks away from that. And, but the media would come, there'd be television cameras. Now today, uh, the media wasn't here. Uh, our department is providing some pictures and, and video for various uh, outlets, but Um, back in the day, you'd have media show up and they do it. And Larry was always here that first day. Now, was Larry here for day two or day three or day four? Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes no, but he made sure he was here when the cameras were here (laughs) and there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But again, it's just this idea that every player goes and and shows up every single one. It's just not. And again, I get it. There's going to be a lot of talk about Kyler. Um, but I, I'm not going to name names, but I was down there a couple times kind of surveying the area and Kyler Murray is far from the only veteran not here right now. So, I mean, JJ Watt was even asked about that in the press conference today with the media. Is he concerned? And JJ said, no, well, as long as he's uh, doesn't make right, any sense yeah, right. Me, but but of, of, as long as Kyler's, I missed that question, he was concerned about what just Kyler Murray not being there. Oh, Kyler not being People start to look into the the leadership and building chemistry well, f- with players. But but JJ said what was true of as long as he's here for the first game to play good football, that's all I care well, about. Well, I mean, again, well, sometimes you got to think about what you're asking. I yeah. mean, no, n- even if he was horribly concerned, he's never going to say he is. So, true. but but. It, now, I'll go halfway between. Which he's not. I, I mean, Danny, I only agree with that to, to a certain degree, you know, because uh, when they get on the field, then, yeah, that's football. And that's part of developing the chemistry that A.J. Green Absolutely. was asked about that we're going to talk about in the Big Red Rage that I guess was just quoted in a pro football talk, courtesy of Darren's article on azcardinals.com. Some of that chemistry that was lacking last year between Kyler and, and A.J. Green in particular, yes, that can be formulated and forged in the offseason. But if you can't even get on the field right now, then it's then it's a moot point, which is one of the reasons I asked you the question. So the, what's going to end up happening is you're going to have – there's three phases of the offseason work. You're going to get through a couple weeks of – of this, then there'll be phase one, which is the offense and defense can both be on the field without helmets, but they can only be on their own. So the offense can do some walkthroughs of their stuff, and defense can do walkthroughs of their stuff. Phase two is uh, once again no helmets, uh, but the offense and defense can face each other and some very limited stuff, and you can see what it's like if there's a defense defensive player in front of you if you're on offense. And then phase three is is when you get the helmets. 
Uh, and it's full go spring football yeah, tackle to the – No. No. Okay. It's, it's just – it's essentially helmets. It's phase two plus helmets. You're not supposed to really be doing anything else. And even in minicamp, you're really not supposed to be doing much of anything anymore in terms of contact. This is supposed to be about learning the playbook. It's not supposed to be about getting your body in shape to play football like that. Like you're supposed to be in shape, but it's not, it's not hitting. It's not tackling. Which is why B.A. used to use the same line every spring. Every spring. It's soccer, not football. It's guys in shorts running around, yep. and there's no contact. And so, okay. Which technically is yeah. still football. Yeah. And look, now more than ever, and the reason I brought up Kansas City, Danny, and you saw the same thing, is according to the story I read, Andy Reid decided to make voluntary off-season workouts a virtual exercise this season. He literally – told the team he encouraged them to just zoom into the voluntary meetings he said rather I don't even want you to attend in person that we've played more football than any other team in the last four years take the offseason to get in shape but do it at your at the destination of your choice and so instead of everybody coming to Kansas City it's cold and raining if you're going to be in a warm weather locale this is Andy Reid now then go ahead and because of that, a number of Chiefs players have gone to where Patrick Mahomes is in Texas, and they've been pulling a Tom Brady with a Buccaneers and running their own deal, and I guess apparently out there and, and, I, and throwing. I would, I would, and I would think more quarterbacks are like this, but if Patrick Mahomes goes to Andy Reid and says, I would rather not be there, I'm going to do this on my own, I mean, that's kind of like – that's kind of where it gets started. I mean, all due respect to Andy Reid, do we – Am I am I believing now that Patrick Mahomes was always going to just come to Kansas City and then Andrew Reid said, no, 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 go ahead and hang out in Texas? Why do I have the feeling that Patrick Mahomes said, hey, coach, I'd rather do this on my own. I'm going to be back in Texas. And then Andy Reid took the ability to say, well, let's. So they reverse engineered it I mean, is what I, you're saying. That would be no, my guess. Of very how plausible, that feasible. Yeah, you know, understandable. Absolutely. I'm a very no cynical doubt. old person. Yeah. You don't say. Yeah. By the way, was James Conner asked about Kyler's absence? Yes. And he said, quote, no big deal. We know he's working. Was J.J. Watt asked? Yes. And he said, and I quote, all I need him to be there for is the first game of the season and play good. Well, you are going to need him for the you know, mini camp and for, for training camp and for the preseason, although we'll see how many snaps he gets, et cetera. But so, you know, just because Kyler isn't here and a number of other players aren't, at the Cardinals off-season workouts doesn't mean it's going to stop the chatter. Well, this is kind of random, but not really. Thinking about Kyler and people talking about him not being here for voluntary workouts, thinking about the social media fiasco. I don't know if I should say fiasco. That couple months ago, Kyler with the Instagram and the Cardinals pictures. I'll say it. It was I'm, a fiasco, him fiasco. scrubbing the Instagram, yes. So here's my question. You guys been seeing online, you know, other players taking out A.J. Brown taking out Tennessee from his Twitter bio. And, I, I mean, I feel like that's not – I mean, yeah, but quarterbacks the, are different. But I'm like, what the heck? Well, although I will say that the, none of those players have held back then going on social after that and basically saying, we want our new contract. I'm just saying, other players, I, just something I've noticed. That well, was all. Yeah. Well, it's, look. That's the time we live in, Danny. I'm aware. It's your demographic. These are all your peers. My peers. I'm not that savvy with social media. You say that now. Wait till Tim Delaney checks out and you've taken off Arizona Cardinals from your bio. We're going to all have to wonder about that. 
Maybe that's next year's April Fool's prank. Which, by the way, for those who have been listening, Grayson Choi, videographer, editor, producer extraordinaire who I carpool with. Oh, yeah. We were carpooling <gasps> last week, and she nonchalantly brought up oh. the Nicolas Cage fun fact text messages she was getting on April 1st, and she knew it was me. And you know how she knew it was me? Because she listens to the podcast. Yes! Nobody that? said somebody anything in the to Grayson. Building, somebody in the building is Round actually listening to us. Round of applause for Grayson Choi well, listening to the podcast at her desk. By probably. the way, she just got promoted, and I wanted to just say she totally deserved it. Yeah, so so she does know about the April Fool's prank. She liked it. Turns out she's actually a Nicolas Cage fan, which I didn't know was a thing, to be honest. So it worked out quite well. Well, you know, it's appointment listening now for Grayson because that's five straight weeks. <laughs> There's been a name drop, you know, included here on Cardinals Underground. That's so, true. So there you go. That's, uh, you know. So, all right, anything else to be said on the whole Kyler front? Because NFL Network, you know, has been uh, definitely filling the airwaves with plenty of Kyler talk. It's and that it's, time of year, baby. You know, and as Tom Pelissero uh, reported recently, I think it was uh, last week, that, you know, Kyler is not expected to play this year without a new contract. So there's all these different sorts of headlines that are out there, and we'll see exactly what happens as we track towards the draft. I mean, I, uh, my gut says something gets done before the season. That's just my gut. I I don't know anything. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But I I just I don't know. I, I somebody asked if I was worried about it, and that's just not going to work for me because as I tweeted back, I said I got a lot of things in my life that I worry about. A football roster is not one of them. Good you for know, you, Darren. The, I cover the team. Work life balance. Wh- whoever they put out there is who I'm going to have to cover. <laughs> you know. I would like for them to do better because it makes my job easier. But in the end, I got no control over it anyways, so it is what it is. Let me know what the news is. So what would you guys make of what A.J. Green said when he was asked about the chemistry between him and Kyler on the field where he said, among other things, quote, there's a lot of room to grow, end quote. And, you know, he was pretty frank. He was pretty forthright both on the Zoom and then also in our Big Red Rage interview. And at one point I asked him, I said, look – a lot of the fans would cite that you and Kyler weren't on the same page often enough, fair or unfair, and he said fair. He said 100% fair, and so A.J. Green, to his credit, owned it, but there is definitely room for improvement when it comes to the passing game and the quarterback clicking with a lot of his main receivers. You're right. That's a great question to him because that was no secret if you were looking at whether it was the route running or where the pass was thrown or anything like that. The communication did not seem as consistent as you would have liked. Um, So I think that was totally fair. And I like that A.J. owned it in the press conference. And and he was saying, you know, I you know, I want Kyler to, you know, tell me more like, hey, I need you to this, this and this. And I need to be more upfront with him about, you know, what I'm seeing, what I'm doing and you know, working on that communication. And I think that's totally fair from what we saw a couple of times last season on, from our standpoint, what looked just like miscommunication. He even said, you know, and think about it, A.J. Green, who was a pro bowler his first seven years in the league. He's in year 11. And he even said at one point, if Kyler, if he needs to air me out, I can take it. I'm a grown man. If he needs to yell at me because I screwed something up and I should have been here when I was there and vice versa, then you know what? Let me have it. And quite honestly – the Cardinals needed this passing offense wasn't in sync often enough. They need to get that sort of chemistry that we all saw on display in this Super Bowl winning drive where Matthew Stafford was going to Cooper Cup 
And, and he was the only receiver basically left on the field. And down the field they went. And he was four for four on the Super Bowl winning drive. And there was double and triple coverage. And it didn't matter because Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup were completely in sync. And that ball was on the money the moment that Cooper Cup got out of his break. And, and that's what you're striving for. At least to me, that is job number one in the offseason because – like we talked about, the offensive line, how much can you really improve in the offseason? There's no contact. We all know what James Conner's about. You can't see what's great about James Conner until it's full contact, full go football. But but you can in the offseason work on that chemistry. The ball coming out in sync, on time, receivers in the right spot, just a foot or two in front of a DB. You know, you can as we know, we can get a sense of whether a corner can play or not and whether they can cover or not in an offseason. The Cardinals started to get good vibes on a Marco Wilson in the rookie minicamp. Like, yeah. okay, yeah. this kid, like Christian Kirk told us in a big red rage, the kid was not getting toasted. He might get beat, but he wasn't getting beat badly like a lot of rookies are. He was competing. He was step for step with most guys most of the time. And so, you know, Malcolm Butler at that point was already – already on noti- notification that, hey, you know, you, you're you going to have some competition for that starting corner job, which ended up being Marco Wilson's by the end of camp. And so, by the way, uh, Malcolm Butler is on the Patriots roster now, right? Yes, he is. He, he is. signed with the Patriots yeah. and met with the media the other day for the first time since he retired and basically said he was not mentally ready to play last year with the Cardinals, and that's why he decided to retire and, okay. you know, why he wasn't mentally ready, I don't know, because he seemed pretty mentally ready when training camp started, but it is what it is, and they moved on. Yeah. It's a demanding game, and he'd been playing it for a long time, so okay. Got- but I, I ultimately, I would agree with you on, on the, the timing. I mean, I, 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 think, I think there are some limits to what you can get out of the offseason. I, I don't think it's the end of the world if you don't get as much work together in the offseason uh, – It'd be nice to work on it, but again, if you've got all of training camp to do that stuff, I don't, I don't know if you need months and months of it. Like I think if you're all together at training camp and everybody's healthy, which is you got to see, if you weren't if you weren't able to get together in the off season, I don't I don't know if that it's that big of a deal to me. Now again, there's other things at play here right now, which is on one hand you're talking about the quarterback and the receivers getting on the right same page. And then the other hand, you're talking about, okay, there's speculation over what might happen with a quarterback and could he not be at places and, and stuff. And again, I, I, I just, I have a feeling this, this gets worked out before we get to training camp. I don't know that, but I, I just, that's, people have asked me a few times what, what my feelings are on this whole situation. And, you know, again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying before, which is, my feeling is they're either going to get a contract done or they're not, or Kyler's going to be here or he's not. I, I don't, I can't get worked up. I know this. I think you need a quarterback to win in this league. I think they think they have one in Kyler, and I think Kyler's done enough to show that he can be that guy. Does he need to keep improving? Of course he does, but I've also covered this team, as you have, Paul, with Max Hall and John Skelton and Ryan Lindley and, and Kevin Cobb and – and Derek Anderson, and it's not fun to cover a team when you're in that position. Even when Carson got hurt at the end of his time, and it, you saw Blaine Gabbert, who's a nice guy, and they even won a couple games, but you're not winning anything big. You're not winning divisions. So I don't know why why some fans would want to move on at this point. I would think you'd want to 
try and make this work because this is your best chance right now. Unless you're you're going to tank and try and find that guy in the draft, and that's even not any lock. I mean, think of the teams that need quarterbacks right now. Panthers are picking at six. Seahawks are picking at nine. Um, heck, even the Lions picking at two with Jared Goff, and yet they're picking that high and there's no quarterbacks in there that you're yep. thinking are going to be that guy. So it's look at the Steelers at 20. Why would you want to? I, I I just that part I don't get. Why would you want to move on when you might have that guy? And oh by the way, paying a quarterback a crap ton of money, that's that's just what it is. Everybody's got to get over that part of it. That that's what it's becoming. It, it's, it's been what that it is. way. It always has been that yeah. way. It's more now than it was two years ago. But two years ago, it was like, oh my god. And for two years from now, it's going to be even more. Of course, it is. I mean, the quarterbacks are going to get paid the most. Let's just let's just stop with that. They're going to get paid a lot of money. Kirk Cousins is going to get paid a lot of money. Is he the greatest quarterback in the world? No. But if you don't have Kirk Cousins, the Vikings are. I know they're not great right now, but they're they'd be terrible if they didn't have Kirk Cousins and they just had some schmo. See, which to me brings us back to Kyler's agent it really does you're going to get paid and you're going to get paid a lot of money but if your agent is at odds with the team is the team any more apt to give you a contract on your timetable after the antics and manner in which you try to negotiate it publicly I mean it's just human nature you're not going to acquiesce to the agent's demands in that timetable. If nothing else, it's bad business because it sets a bad precedent. Is it? Other players might feel like they can strong arm a club. And so I think, if anything, it's more apt that the club would wait to do it on their own timetable as opposed to, oh, we will indeed, yes, sir, get it done before the draft. So to me, I'm not sure that Kyler's agent has done him any favors. In fact, I said it back in January after – the scrubbing in the Instagram and then the all caps manifesto, I would have fired the agent because there's a certain percentage of the fan base to Darren's point who's upset with the quarterback, is upset with the player. And I would have blamed it all on the agent, fired him, moved on, hit the reset button, and then also tried to also, you know, rehabilitate my personal brand a little bit, just blaming it on the agent. Again, uh, I'm going to go back to some of my tried and true here, Paul, which is one, if a contract gets done, nobody's going to care. And two, if a contract is done or not, if Kyler doesn't perform well, that's 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 what's going to determine what people think. If he it doesn't all this other stuff doesn't matter if he wins, nobody's going to care. And if he doesn't play well, it doesn't matter if they had like they had tea and crumpets together the whole time and were <laughs> hugging and and singing Kumbaya, it wouldn't matter. You know, it's it's about ultimately what happens on the field. This other stuff is good to talk about, and it's going to be uh, it's it's going to be fodder on podcasts like this or talk radio or whatever. But in the end, people are going to stop talking about it because it's going to be about results. I mean, we go back go back to like when Matt Liner was here, which obviously predates Danny because she was in kindergarten, but. Uh, when Matt Liner was here and, you know, people were talking about, should it be Kurt Warner? Should it be Matt Liner? Especially that beginning part where Matt had just been drafted and Kurt was the starter and things weren't going well. I'm like, the quarterback's always going to be, I mean, you, you were around the Dak Prescott stuff with a contract. Is Dak Prescott worth the money? Should they just stick with, I don't even remember who the other quarterback was at the time. I mean, 
Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush. I mean, Mike that's, White. That's just well, that's what everybody says. You know, even when Dak first had his great first year with the Dallas, when they were when solid Tony as Romo a rookie, with her. Yeah. Well, the whole story here was. Bruce Arians, why didn't you draft Dak Prescott? He lasted till the fourth round. Carson Palmer is getting old as dirt. Why didn't you draft this guy? Now look what he's doing, and you could have had him in the third round. Because at the time, Bruce basically said he didn't didn't wasn't impressed by Dak Prescott, and he didn't want to take him. And that again, that's fine. But again, I'm going back to the point that it doesn't matter. All these names can change. Doesn't the quarterback's going to get well, talked about? Okay, two things. Number one, uh, Ken Wisenhunt was plagued by that. Russell Wilson, Cardinals didn't yeah. draft Russell Wilson. He lasted till the third round. Yeah. Uh, here's the other thing. If you want to bring up Jerry Jones and Dak Prescott, didn't the Cowboys drag their feet for almost two full years before they got that deal done, right? Yes. And so here we are. It's the beginning of his fourth year in the league, whereas no other quarterback, there's only been six other quarterbacks after year three, you know, big-name guys who got that big contract, and it was all in June, July, August, or September. And right. so now you're, you're, you're trying to set a precedent into how timely and how quickly you're able to turn a contract when, you know, and, and look, let's not diminish or overlook the last impression that Kyler Murray made, which was in the playoff loss, which for my money was the worst performance of his NFL career, save maybe the first half against the Detroit Lions in his opener and in the NFL opener. I mean, it, it was not good. And so, you wonder if maybe that's given the decision makers a little bit of pause, maybe a little bit. Both sides are always going to try to have leverage. That's what I see Kyler's agent doing. I don't know if it's too far to say they are at odds and they're butting heads and going back and forth. I don't know enough about what each side, I guess, has been asking for or offered. But I agree. I think putting out the letter before the combine in February was very premature when you look at when a lot of these quarterback deals get done later in the summer. Now, if Kyler Murray had been in a situation more similar to Baker Mayfield, where you, you knew he didn't want to be there, both sides had, you know, it was known, ready to move on, I would understand that more so of the agent saying, we want to know if we're going to get a contract extension before the draft and before teams start bolstering their roster and figuring out their depth chart, the start of it. I understand that. That, to me, is not the situation that Kyler Murray is in, from my understanding. So the fact that they were trying to push to figure this out before the draft, to me, doesn't really seem like that helps their case because I, I don't see that as a situation where that would really make sense for the Cardinals to try and trade him otherwise. So that, to me, too, is why it just seemed so early to put out that letter of, this is what we want. We want it before the draft. We want it immediately. Here's why he deserves it. I don't take it as the Cardinals don't think maybe Kyler Murray deserves that. I just think it's a little early. There's still so much more that's unknown than known. For our, We have no idea. Maybe the agent has been tasked with get a deal done before the draft or you're out. Who knows? Because the urgency <laughs> is almost irrational in, in some ways. He got a deal for Cliff Kingsbury. Sure. Does that count for yeah. him? Yeah. And there have been other reports by NFL Network recently that the Cardinals have yet to make an offer of any sort. So who knows what to believe? There's been a variety of, of reports. Once again, there's more unknown than known for my money, and we'll see if there's anything by the draft. But I don't expect, I don't expect some uh, franchise record contract to be offered up by next Thursday night in no, April no, 28th. I, when, I, when no. I say I think it's going to get done, I don't, 
I don't think it's going to be no. before the draft. There's too many other things no. going on right now. So, so, and we'll continue to monitor what exactly is going on. I in, just don't want it happening when I'm on vacation because then it's a pain <laughs> in the ass for me to deal with. Because, look, I'll just it's say It's all this. about you, Darren. You have no idea how much it's about me, Danny. I, I'll just come full circle with this, going back to Patrick Mahomes. For example, like, obviously they lost Tyreek Hill, but they also lost Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle, and they brought in Juju Smith-Schuster, my guy, and Marquez Valdez-Scanling, right? They, so he has new receivers to work with, and those guys are together, and they're working in Texas somewhere. So let's not dismiss the offseason as – as being important for the Arizona Cardinals as well, and that's why I think it is a valid question when when they're actually able to get on a football field and out of the weight room, <laughs> then we'll go ahead and, and pose that question. Right, because so. remember, Kyler Murray has been around the facility. We've seen him, so it's not like he hasn't been here all off season, and he's still not here for voluntary workouts for the strength and conditioning program. It's, it's not like he's been not around. Right. We can say that when J.J. Watt put out the video – the butt, 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 and there's Kyler in the background. <laughs> that was not the first time Kyler has been spotted in the Cardinals' weight room in the offseason, right? That that was not that wasn't like some sort of revolutionary happening, correct? Are we? Uh, am I remiss for for citing that? I haven't been down there every day, but I had seen him down there a couple times for sure. Okay, there you go. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. I, I, my keister was blown in the wind on that one, Darren, so that was good. That was good over there. I'm glad we could bring yeah. you back on board. Yeah. By the way, any other takeaways from J.J. Watt and, and meeting? The, you got a question about the injury, and he was uh, short and to the point, and Kurt, on that one. Yeah. Yes, I, I. that's not my preference, to get injured. Next! Yeah, yeah. that was in – yeah. You got to be very careful about how you word some of these questions. Otherwise. Yes, I gotta. He did. Someone did. You know, ask him briefly about. He was posting recently. He spent a week in London, and he was. You know, JJ's a funny guy, especially on social media. Him posting pictures by the door, and he's taller than the door frame. <laughs> was, and posing whatever. With, I'm taller than door frames in England. Po- oh, posing with all the Harry, flex. the Harry Potter stuff, and he doesn't even watch. But there was. Somebody out there who ran into him, and coincidentally, this woman was wearing socks with JJ's face on them. Could you imagine if you happen to be wearing those socks and you happen to see that person in a completely different country? I mean, that is so cool. I don't know. Cool or almost terrifying. You know, does, no, it, does no. it actually, I mean, do you actually wonder, okay, is this fan sane? I mean, do, should I have a it personal was probably protector? probably like a joke. Should oh, I wait, 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 wait. You know. J.J. Watt's got to license socks with his face on them, or he's got to know that they're out there. So if they're out there, that means somebody's bought them. So if somebody's bought them, why would that freak you out? I guess so. I wonder- now, if you made homemade socks with, <laughs> like, with like you cut out photos and like taped right. them on socks and then pulled them up, which I think I've actually seen those of Paul Calvisi around, <laughs> then I would be very, very afraid. See, I wonder which... Ho- homemade socks on my face on people are putting pins into them like a voodoo doll. That's what they're doing. I wonder which athlete or celebrity I would buy socks with their face on them. <laughs> well, here's I, don't, question. I don't know that there is one, but like right. if I had to pick one, who would it mm, be? That's a good question. All right. Well, you get, you get one answer. That. You get one answer, one answer only. Is that I'll, next week? Next yeah. week's question when we come I can, to I'm ready table. to answer it now. Pick me. My arm's up in the air. All right. I'll go with an Arizona connection. I'll go with Maynard James Keenan, the lead singer at Tool, uh, yeah. and a shout out to uh, both you and Omo to Jerome. Uh, I'll, I'll throw his his face on there. You know, he, he puts his face on other other. And he has a he's a man of a million faces, just like Frank Caliendo is a man of a million voices. So you know, I'm gonna wait a week and think about it. We're gonna we're gonna broach the subject again. Don't f- let me forget about the socks question. Then. Okay. 
Because I've got socks with my dog's faces on them, but I don't have any with a human See, face that's on them. the creepy That was a to... gift. Oh, okay. It was a funny birthday dog? gift. No, from my siblings. Oh. And it, it's a pretty good job of taking the picture and putting them on the socks for whichever company did that. I'll wear them. <laughs> I believe you. I'll wear them next week. No, you won't, because you'll be out doing sports with a player, and it'll be 105 <laughs> degrees, and you'll be like, why am I wearing socks? I'll bring them to put on for the podcast. Okay. Back in the days when we could go in malls and you see those little b- boutique shops and they have like the sock store. They still have some of those. I mean, I always wondered like. There's I guess, one in Old Town. I guess I don't value socks enough just as a human being because like how could <laughs> how is that store viable? How can they do well, enough? I think that stuff all the time. I think that stuff about things that when you're buying stuff that are like $10 or less and I'm like, how do these stores stay in business? Yeah. How do you do enough velocity? How do you sell, how do you, how do you sell? A product, as they say in the business, right? Velocity. That's one of those terms Wolf used like to a, use when he had his restaurant. Like a candle store. Like, how, how does a candle store stay in oh, business? Oh, I love a good candle. Yeah, okay. They're not, they're not cheap if you get a good candle. That's how. Why? How expensive are they? I don't know. It just depends if you're getting a... The, the big ones can go up of like $50, $60. What? Yes. When I was six, I went to camp at Phoenix Zoo and it was the middle of the summer and it was horrible and I still hate my mom for making us go out for three hours outside when it was 100 billion degrees. But we had to build these these candles and all we had to do was dig some a hole in the sand. We poured some wax in the thing. That wasn't worth $50, but it certainly no, wasn't that much different than whatever small, the hell you're probably buying. probably didn't have a good scent. Probably didn't have a long wick to last a, a long had, time. Had a zoo scent, probably. Ew. <laughs> I would probably pay so, someone to take the candle from me. Darren, is your mom a prepper? Did she send you like to a survival camp? No, like, what was it was on? like we're home. Oh, we gotta see. The thing is, is like uh, you know, again, I'm from Michigan originally. So when we first moved to Arizona. You know, the parents want to like, and, and first of all, I'm so old there, you know, there's no cable. There's no like stuff. You, if you're, you're either going to read books inside or you're going to play outside or we had a, fortunately we had a pool in our backyard. So you go swim, but you can only do that so much. So in the summer when we didn't have school, she's like, okay, what am I going to get these kids to do? So I don't have to sit around and make, do stuff with them all day. So we went to this, the Phoenix Zoo would have like this week long camp and you went from like. It was probably like 8 to 11, my guess is. But it was outside the whole time, and it got hot, and I don't like it. So did I, your candle already melt before you got home? No, because I feel like we we built because we like built it one day, and then the next day we dug it up and took it home. No, my candles are better than that. Not $50 better than that. <laughs> don't don't bring up the pool, by the way. I've had a third major repair in three months, so I'm not I'm not feeling real positive about the pool at Casa Galvisi. In fact, I asked the guy at the pool shop when he was giving me prices on a new pool pump, and I was absolutely aghast at the price point on a new pool pump. I said, how much do you just fill in the pool? How much just to go an Dude. airdrop of some fill dirt and just fill in the stinking pool so I don't have to deal with it anymore? And? He, he didn't think that was funny because, <laughs> once again, that's his business. He sells pool equipment, so he well, didn't think and, it was funny. And when you sell the house, you're going to want that pool. Personally offended, I think he was. So I don't know you know, close to selling the all house, these champagne but... problems, uh, yeah, we should is... all be embarrassed because uh, you know what? Um, there's a guy who's whose route to the NFL yes. uh, is quite a story. Yes. It is quite a story, and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to – well, in the story itself, and it's on YouTube, and it's an NFL Films production, I believe, in yes. conjunction with OCU Manuri, the Super Bowl-winning defensive lineman, formerly of the New York Giants. 
who is back in Nigeria, and he is running, uh, doing a lot of good stuff on a lot of fronts, including uh, American football and introducing it to a lot of young athletes. And with that in mind, the Cardinals have gone ahead. They have signed on the line that is dotted a budding offensive lineman, six foot six, two hundred ninety-eight pounds, a Nigerian native by the name of Hey Guy. That's his first name. If I was smart, I would just stop at the first name Hey Guy because the rest of his name is its full name Hey Guy, Chasem. Undebisi. Ooh, that's I think pretty I good. Got that. I think you I think, nailed that, Paul. How about, how's that taste, Craig Grealou? Because he was taking odds that I would uh, butcher that here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. But uh, there we go. The second international player in as many years. Yeah. Mandatory psycho. It's it's interesting because last year when they signed Bernard Sykovitz, it was through the international player program, and they had a, a uh, roster exemption for him all year. Whereas Guy is signed to the roster. I mean, oh, he is, I didn't realize he is that. not he's not an IPP player. They will not have an exemption for him. Um, he has to make the team uh, to make it. Uh, I, I just think it's a great story. I got a chance to talk to him a little bit when he signed his contract. Really? And he is, um, you know, the, the things he was saying about how important this was to him and how important it was. And you mentioned the video that you can find on YouTube. It's also embedded in my story on the site uh, if you're looking to find it uh, about his signing. Um, you watch that video, and it really – I mean, these he comes from an area that they don't have much of anything. And O.C. Umanura, who you mentioned, and another – and I can't pronounce his name, but another former uh, NBA player who also runs some stuff out there. And they're just trying, in this case, a handful of athletes that – they're trying to see would work in football And this video. It's only 10 minutes long, but it's really, it's heartbreaking in a lot of ways as they talk about just wanting to get an opportunity. And, and Hey guy was one of the guys that they happen to talk about in this video. I found the video after they signed him to embed in the story. And it happened that he is part of, he, he is in the video. So you get a, a little chance to, to see what he's like. Uh, but, but I, I asked him the first thing I asked him when I talked to him was, what does this mean to you? And that's a question I've asked guys signing contracts a million times. It means life. It means a dream come true. It means hope from where I'm coming from. And and he went on to talk about how this, and there's another Nigerian player from the same group that signed with the New York Giants recently, and they're just looking for opportunity. And he's like, you don't understand, like, this is... This is impossible. This is literally impossible from where I come from. So for me to be able to do this, to have, to be able to let these people know is such a big deal to us that, hey, it, however, if you work, you can get there. And I thought what he was saying was really interesting and profound. Then I watched the video. Mm. And then I'm watching some of these, these guys. And in the video, it talks about excuse me, I don't know, there, there were 15, 20 of them? Yeah. And OC Two dozen, Manura, maybe, yeah. And O.C. Umanura is basically telling them there's only going to be about four or five of you that are going to get an opportunity to do anything, whether it's go to the International Combine or, or go work in the IPP program. And the rest of them, keep working. We hope we can find something for you. And they're, these these guys have nothing, so they're pushing their chips in to like, hope that this can be their breakthrough. And it's it just... 
again, you talked about champagne problems earlier. This is the opposite of champagne problems, and it's a really good story. And I don't know if – I mean, hey, hey guys, he's never played organized football. All he's done is train with this group that I'm telling about in Nigeria with O.C. Umanyira. He's learned how to pass set by watching YouTube videos. And he's an incredible physical specimen, but he's never been in a practice. He's certainly never played wow. in a game. I mean, you're you're about as raw as possible. I did not know that. I just sort of assumed he played in some sort of league nope. like Bernhard Sykovitz did. No. In Austria and Bernard Germany. Bernard Sykovitz no. is a freaking he's, – he's like a Hall of Famer compared to what this guy's been through. Wow. So whether he can stick, whether he's too raw to stick, I mean, we'll, we will see what happens. But I tell you, when we talk about motivations, this guy has incredible motivation to get better hmm. because of what he goes back to if this doesn't work out. Well, according to the press release, now he's 21. He's only 21 years of age. And according to the press release, it was four years ago when he was discovered when he was uh, at an all-star basketball game. And some American coaches said, wait a minute, who's that guy? He's light on his feet. Look at the size. Look at the strength. They said that guy has potential as an NFL left tackle. And boom, here he is. But, I mean, do I've never played in an actual full-contact football game. And you're going to come out to an NFL camp? I mean, the odds, let's let's be realistic. That's just, yeah. You know what, though? This is a great reminder and perspective that football is more than just a game. And probably to him more so than maybe a lot of other players in the league, not to necessarily take away from a lot of the, the players who used football to get out of unfortunate or really tough situations. But this is, I, th- I think, what it's all about is using football as a way out, like he mentioned, hope and creating a better life for you and for your family. And the league has been trying, you know, the last couple of years to do more internationally, the international games. We're going to Mexico City, the programs um, internationally. And I, I think this is great. I think it's great on the Cardinals, too. And this is the exciting stuff of a reminder that football is so much more than just a game to so many of these players and probably him more so than many others. I, it's hard having interacted with him for the short period of time. It's already hard not to root for him. And then watching the video that just drives it home even further. And it, you know, he's so raw that if he does get released down the road, he's probably going to make it through waivers. And then you put him on your practice squad and you can see what you can do with him. And, um, and we'll, and we'll see what happens. My guess is just being on a practice squad would be a huge accomplishment for him. We'll know. We'll know sooner than later. It's always amazing to me when you talk to veteran players this time of year and they bring in the rookies for the rookie minicamp. And there's only a handful that are drafted, right? A half dozen to maybe 10 draft picks. And then there's 30 or 40 other guys who have come in as undrafted rookies and and rookie signees. And then you ask some of the veterans, guys who have had 10 years in the league, how long does it take you to determine and decipher whether a guy can make it in the NFL or not? I remember Bertrand Berry would look me right in the eye and say, one snap. Like, come on, come on. He's like, one rep in a pass rush drill. I will tell you if the guy has a future in the NFL or not. I'm like, then why aren't you in scouting and personnel well, evaluation? We I don't would know go about back that. and we would go back and forth about that. Because I've talked to another veteran on the offensive side of the ball who shall remain nameless, who a couple times let me know after a few weeks of, after offseason and some training camp that a couple of players were never going to do anything and he was dead wrong. 
So interesting. I, I do think that they get an idea. I, I think you can get an idea if there's a want to there. I think that probably could be figured out fairly quickly. But if you're just talking about regular Joe Blow trying to learn the game a little bit and they've got want to and they're just not sharp enough yet, uh, I don't I don't know. All due respect to Bertrand and, and my unnamed player. And actually, he wasn't – it was his era of player, but it wasn't B-Train, but it was a bunch of other guys in the defense. In the first preseason game, it kind of became an annual tradition. In the fourth quarter, when they were standing on the sideline with a ball caps on and a couple of seeds, yeah. I would go through the roster with them and go, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, and they they tell me. And it was amazing how accurate those guys were. This is the first preseason game. For example, I vividly remember remember Reggie Walker, the linebacker out of Kansas State. I do. The first one. First one. The first Reggie first Walker, one. not the Florida Reggie Walker. And he was an undrafted free agent and yep. and, and, and those and there were three guys telling me he's making the team. I'm like, no, that means you gotta cut this guy. He's making the team, Calvisi. And sure enough, they were right. He did. He made the team out of camp and just they see stuff and you know they're also in meeting rooms and so forth they know they know if he's impressing the position coach for example or the coordinator yeah so we'll we'll find out on that um you know whether it means the cardinals are any less apt to go offensive line in the draft absolutely not if there are guys there they'll make it the question is and i've seen this a lot and, and you posed this question earlier darren are the cardinals any more or less apt to go offense in the first round this year because they've gone defense the last couple of years? I would say absolutely not. If there's a big run-stuffing defensive tackle who's there, a Devontae Wyatt, and they like him, they're pulling the trigger. If there's an edge rusher who falls to 23, Carl Loftus, if, boom, they're taking him. If uh, somehow one of these marquee, you know, one of the UW marquee corners falls and they think he's the best value, I, I don't think they're any more or less apt to go offense because they haven't the last two years. What do you think, Danny? No, I agree. I, I don't think necessarily. Now, if you're, you want to talk about an off-the-ball linebacker? Probably a different answer. But, <laughs> but no one, inside linebackers. But defense as a whole, I, I, don't, I don't think that has anything to do with how you've drafted the last few years about what this team is right now and, and what they already have and what they're trying to accomplish. I think we, we know pretty clearly if you're drafting offense, it's one of those – star-studded wide receivers or maybe an interior offensive lineman to try and start getting a head start since four of your five starters will be free agents after this upcoming season. But the clear answer is they have more needs on defense. So I can't imagine the Cardinals saying, you know what, yeah, we need a lot more on defense, but we've really focused on that the last few drafts. Let's go to offense just to mix it up. No. Defense is, is where their focus is at the moment, I would imagine, when you look at the greater need. I Again, wa- it depends who falls. Yeah, it, I asked one question to J.J. Watt. I tried to get in with a second, but they already capped the uh, the queue and who was getting in. I wanted to follow up with assess the loss of Chandler Jones yeah, for this defense. I almost defense. asked that him question too, but and, I figured we'd have more chances yeah, to do that down and, the road. You know, so, and you're right. You know, that, that's a question we can easily get more. It wasn't as much football in X's and O's today, but to me that is still the biggest question on the roster is edge rusher. You could play today with the receiver room you have. You could, but once again, coming full circle here on Cardinals Underground, do you have truly a legitimate starter to go along with Marcus Golden on the roster? I would say no. I would say no. And I will say this, as far as the cornerback position goes, as long as we're talking defense, Drew Grigson was very interesting on the Big Red Rage when asked about Jeff Gladney. He called him a starter. He used the word starter to describe Jeff Gladney 
the uh, third-year corner, who was a 2020 first-round pick, called him a freebie, called him an extra first-round pick. These are phrases Drew Grigson used to describe Jeff Gladney. So without ever having seen him play in person, it sounds like the decision-makers are bullish on that signing. Well, he's – Third year, but he didn't play last year, correct? So correct. His second season yep. playing. Yep. Correct. Okay. And the, and the other thing, too, is the way your room is right now, he better be a starter. You're looking at three cornerbacks that start, and who do you have besides Jeff Gladney and Byron Murphy and uh, Marco Wilson? I don't think there is anybody. Maybe you might have Robert Alford right. eventually. Right, and if he comes back, yep. then that changes. But I would sure. think right now you don't have a choice but to call him a starter, right? Yep. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Although, I mean – they put out depth charts with two starting corners, which easily could be Marco Wilson and and Byron Murphy. Yeah. So um, it depends how you how you define that. But once again, I I, I don't. There seems to be this narrative out there: that the Cardinals are automatically going offense either because a they went defense the last two years, or b they have to appease the quarterback. And I I don't see that as as likely any either way. I I, I really don't. But we'll find out. By the way, the draft party. Um, yes. Yes. It's coming up. It's coming up. <laughs> azcardinals.com slash draft party where you can get all the information. And so uh, we'll we- see. I'm hearing good things about well, – I can't divulge a lot of it, sort of like Danny with her game on feature. I can't give a lot of the details. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, after two years away from the draft party at State Farm Stadium in the Great Lawn, you I'm told it. it's going to be worth the wait. I hear the host for the draft party out at State Farm Stadium is pretty fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I would please be, don't ever, ever, ever say that again. I, I would be fired Why? up. We need to trade up. Let's because hype up Paul. We need to trade up because it's daunting that I have to fill until pick number twenty-three. You know, it's one thing to fill until like you know Isaiah Simmons at eight, or maybe even Zayvon Collins at sixteen, but to get to number twenty-three, I mean, I, I hope that I hope the uh, the show bill is is robust. With so a lot after of different the Cardinals win the, win the Super Bowl, you're going to just refuse to host the draft. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> You're right. I should. You're absolutely right. I'll stage my own off-season holdout. You know, I just, you know, I, I'll, I'll make the draft party voluntary in my next contract. That's what I need to do. That's exactly what I need to do around here. So, Darren, we never got an answer out of you uh, about what? To, about whether if this was voluntary, you'd still be here or not. You sort of danced around it. As of course, it, I would be here. I'm, I'm that Aww. person. All right, I don't think go. I danced around it really. Okay. All right. Uh, was it competitive, by the way, Danny? Was it, were you competitive in your in your your game on? How about this? I am a competitive person. I see. Uh, I had a little trash talk to Rondale. Mm-hmm. But if I tell you it wasn't competitive, that's going to let you know that I beat him by a landslide. So everyone's just got to tune in. Social media channels, azcardinals.com, later in the week. Look for game on. By the way, I, I just looked here. Uh, should we give a quick shout-out to Mark Allmeyer? Yes, yes, that would be awesome. A 41-year career. Are you kidding me? What was it? Here it is. Here are the Holy Cannoli stats. 823 games as the Cardinals equipment manager, seven presidents, over 3,600 players equipped. Think about that. I mean, just Ron Wolfley, high-maintenance Ron Wolfley alone was a handful for a good seven years as an Arizona Cardinal, but to have dealt with everything that Mark Allmeyer and Darren, you can speak on this from a first-person perspective. Does anybody put in more hours 
than the equipment guy. I mean, other than maybe Cliff Kingsbury here at 4.30 in the morning. I mean, honestly, the way those guys are here to get everything set, the way they're late at night, they go on the team buses to the visiting stadium. I mean, it's crazy the hours those guys put in. Quick story, um, and I quoted a little bit of this. Larry Fitzgerald did a video for Mark for his goodbye uh, last week, and um, it took me back to when I – was covering this team for the East Valley Tribune. And I did a story on Larry Fitzgerald after his rookie season. So it was the summer after his rookie year. And I'm trying to come up with a good story to talk about him. And in those days, Larry really had, well, in those days, Larry really never has a big reason to want to talk to the media a whole bunch. But I had to, I, I finally got him to to do a little bit of a sit down with me. And, and he was good. And, uh, but he was young at that point. And, in those days, Anquan Bolden used to joke with him a lot, and and I was fairly tight with Anquan in those days. And um, Anquan would be like, "Dude, you got his house is ridiculous because he's got this pretty nice house, and he won't buy himself any furniture because he's too cheap, and he won't do it." <laughs> and every once in a while, we go over there and like, there's no place to sit because you won't buy furniture, all this stuff. But Another story that came out when I was talking to the equipment guys, actually, I talked to somebody else who had told me this, and I talked to Mark and who he had in the equipment room, and what I didn't know at the time was Larry would stay late oftentimes during the week because he had, didn't want to go to his house with no furniture and there was nobody to go home to, so he'd stick around and he'd fold towels into the evening <laughs> with the equipment, and, oh. and, and actually, and they, he got his first nickname here was Late Night. And that's why, because he would stay late night to fold towels. And in fact, in those days, David Letterman still had a show. And, uh, and we did a head, the headline for the story was late night with Larry Fitzgerald. And, uh, and I'll never forget it. And anyways, flash forwarding to now is Larry in his farewell video was saying, you know, you became, he was telling Mark, you became my de facto family because my family wasn't out here. I didn't have a lot of friends. I was young, uh, immature even though he's he's mentioned that and you know you let me hang around and fold towels and and just hang out in the locker room and and that was a big part for him so uh he gave big uh, big kudos to to mark almeyer and and mark was always great to me uh the first few years i was working for the team uh, when i i didn't have necessarily an exact department i was working in so he kind of hitched me into the uh, media relations group when we were going to training camp and hooked me up with some some gear uh, that, that the media relations people will get. So I'd have some gear going up to camp. And uh, he was just, again, always a good guy. Um, loved doing what he was doing. But getting back to your original point, especially, Paul, nobody knows. These equipment guys, whether it was Mark Allmeyer or now Jeff Schwimmer, um, the fact that these guys, the hours they spend, the the road trips especially is what rings true to me. I mean, these guys go, they're on the road. Mark would be outside when it's 120,000 degrees on the tarmac watching the plane get loaded and then you'd be on a road uh, road place somewhere where we're snowing or raining and they're standing outside making the plane gets loaded before you leave. Uh and then when the team lands, we all go home. Those guys have to come back to the facility to unpack because it's Sunday night and everybody's back in the facility Monday morning, so they've got to get all that stuff done. And they're not the only ones in the building that do stuff like that, but um, big props to Mark Allmeyer. 
Yeah, so Vitz was on the video, and then Joe Buck was on the video. Joe Buck. Which I had no idea that Joe Buck, back when they were the St. Louis Cardinals, as a 15- and 16-year-old, he was a training camp intern and worked in – and literally credited Mark Allmeyer with giving him, quote, a work ethic. Yeah. <laughs> said he had no work ethic until he started working for the Arizona Cardinals football team because his dad, obviously, the legendary Hall of Fame broadcaster for the St. Louis Cardinals baseball team. And uh, an old Mark Allmeyer put a young Joe Buck to work. Yes, he yeah. did. And by the way, when they were showing the video and it was Joe Buck followed by Larry Fitzgerald and we're watching during this lunch, and I'm like, you know what? Joe Buck is now making more than Larry ever made in a wow. single season because Joe Buck is making about $15 million a year on his new deal for Monday Night Football. It's five years, $75 million. And I think Larry's top base salary was like 14 and a half, I believe. I'd have to go back and look. Might be wrong on that. But I'm it like – It's pretty high. Pretty amazing. <laughs> Where do you fall on that? Where's your What's your annual salary again? It's You're right talking around, about me yeah, now? Like well, just move the, move the decimal point over two so it would be the point <laughs> zero one four. Yeah, yeah. I think, is what it would be. That's, that's what it would – Oh, there. So, oh, Paul looking at Joe yeah. Buck going, I could yeah. do that. Yeah, exactly. And right. I could do that for $15 million yeah. a year. Yeah. If I was Dave Pash, I would say that, but no, not Paulie Benselang. Dave Pash is already yeah. making $15 million a year. So, you know, kudos to Pash. He's taking a beat, beating from the Suns fans. Darren, you, you haven't been yeah, ripping on Dave that. Pash for his. Uh, I saw that the, that he admitted that he didn't vote yeah. for uh, Mikhail Bridges. Yeah. Is that what he's talking exactly. about? Exactly. Yeah. So I said, Dave, it's all right. I mean, I you know, I, I kind of lost track of my burner accounts. I've been ripping you here, you know, on Twitter for a couple weeks now for your, your picks. So, yeah. Yeah, you give up. You, you seem like someone who has burner accounts, Paul. <laughs> no, I can barely operate my own account. So, uh, that in mind, there you go. Cardinals Underground, a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. Hashtag rambling here, (laughs) brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.